May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. So glad that you are here today. Today we're kicking off our our brand new Christmas series. And yes, I know ever since Labor Day, Hobby Lobby has been celebrating Christmas. Like, I get that. Uh, You know, because they just can't wait for Christmas, right? And And isn't waiting for Christmas like the hardest thing about Christmas? I mean, I remember as a kid, like just waiting for Christmas seemed like forever, right? I mean, even after Thanksgiving, I mean, it just seemed like it was forever and I just hated the way. And and the whole time, like there's our Christmas tree in the den, just mocking me with its ornaments and lights and presents that I can't touch and blah, just made me nuts. And so, you know, what? I remember one year as a kid, I decided I'm not waiting. Like I'm going to find my presents before my parents have a chance to wrap them. And I remember like one day while both my parents were still at work, I was at home alone, like right after school, I decided I'm going to find these things. And by the way, mom, dad, if you think that your kids don't snoop around the house when you're not there, like you're kidding yourself, okay? Like they look at everything. So anyway, I remember, and I, I, I remember, like I had to be careful to put everything back exactly the way I found it because like I knew I was going to get busted, right? So anyway, so I, remember, I went searching. Like, I looked in my dad's closet, like, nothing there. I, I looked, like, under the bed. Like, there was tons of stuff crammed under there, but there was no Christmas presents under there. I, I looked, remember, I looked in my, in the dresser drawers. But I mean, I carefully put, lifted the clothes, put them all back, like, nothing there. I, I went into my mom's closet, and then in the back of the closet, behind a stack of blankets, there it was. I mean, my Christmas present, I was so pumped. And my parents had gotten me the new gaming, video gaming system of that day. Like, and it was awesome. Now, some of you are too young to know what this is, but here's what they got me. Like, let's put this up there. Yeah, that's an Atari, baby. That original Atari joystick, red button, the whole deal. That's a throwback. Yeah, you can applaud for Atari, because Atari's awesome. They don't make 8-bit gaming systems like that anymore, right? So anyway, um, so so anyway, so anyway, but I remember, like, that Christmas, when it came time to like open presents, I gotta be honest with you, like, I didn't enjoy it. I remember I had to fake being excited about my present for the benefit of my parents. And I wish I had never gone to look, and I wish I had never found it. Because look, listen, Me knowing didn't change the outcome, but it absolutely changed my enjoyment at the end. I did not wait for Christmas very well that year, and I wish I had. Because waiting is probably one of the hardest things ever to do. Waiting for Christmas is incredibly hard because it feels like we're doing nothing. It feels feels like we're just waiting, and that's it. 
And one of the hardest things to do in life is to wait on God, isn't it? One of the hardest things to do is just is to wait on God. Because most of the time, we need God to step in, like, we need him to do something, like, now. Like, we need him, like, right now, step in and do something in our family. We need him now to step in and do something in our finances, to do something in our marriage, to do something in our parenting, to do something, like, with our job situation, or to to do something in our kids, or to do something, you know, in the life of the person that I'm dating, or, you know, the person that I want to be dating. We need him to do something to open up the door for that next career opportunity. We need God to do something now, and so it's incredibly hard to just sit and wait on God because it feels like when we're waiting, we're like we're doing nothing. We're just waiting. But look, you need to hear this. Waiting is not doing nothing. And here's the big central truth of the day. This is what I want you to really get. How I wait is second only to who I'm waiting on. I'm telling you, how I wait is second only to who I am waiting on. And see, when it comes to God, how I wait, it really is. It's second only to who I am waiting on. Because how I wait puts on display what I really believe about my Heavenly Father. How, I, how we wait puts on display whether we really believe our Heavenly Father will come through or not. How we wait puts on display whether we really believe about what we think about God is actually true. How we wait puts on display whether we really believe that we think what God does is really best for us at the time. How we wait puts on display the depth of our faith and what we really believe. And listen, here's the thing. If we, if we don't wait well, it likely doesn't change the outcome of what God does. But it does change our enjoyment in the end. And see, sometimes God uses that waiting time to purify us, to deepen our faith, and to, and to strengthen our trust in him. But to us, it, it feel, honestly, it feels like we're doing nothing. Like, we're just waiting. We're just waiting. But our Heavenly Father, He wants to do so much during that waiting time if we'll just let Him. Because we got to remember, how I wait is second only to who I'm waiting on. And so for the next four weeks during this Christmas series, we're going to look at some incredible lessons in the Christmas story. Because I'm telling you, the Christmas story, there's some unbelievable lessons in there about how to wait on God. And so that's what we're going to look at during the next four weeks during this series. So today, let's begin by asking this question. How does God want me to wait when it seems like he's doing nothing? How does God want me to wait when it seems like he's doing nothing? Well, here's the first thing God wants me to do. And that is to stay faithful. He wants me to stay faithful. Now, look, I know that seems like super elementary just at face value, but I want you to hold on because I think that you're going to see how incredibly important this is, okay? Um, The story of the birth of Jesus, it actually starts with an event that occurs to a man named Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is married to a gal named Elizabeth, who is the cousin of Mary, as in Joseph and Mary in the Christmas story. Um, 
But to understand the significance of what happens to Zechariah, you need to understand the background of what's going on here. Okay? Because you've got to remember, what happens to Zechariah, that's actually the first event of the New Testament. But prior to that, there's been 400 years of silence from God. Prior to that, there's been 400 years of silence from God. Let me put that in perspective for you. That means that for 400 years, that you, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your great-great-grandkids, nobody would have heard anything from God. Nothing. Complete silence from heaven. I mean, zip. There are no words, there's no prophecies, there's no nothing since the prophet Malachi in 397 BC. Now look, undoubtedly during this time, I'm sure that God answered some personal prayers. But there was nothing worth writing down because they didn't. So, what happened? What happened to the Jews during that time? Well, let me give you a quick timeline of what happened. In 332 BC, the Jews were conquered by the Greeks under Alexander the Great. And, when, and then when Alexander the Great died, his three generals, they fought for control of different regions of the empire. And the truth is, Israel was right in the middle. And then from 319 to 302 BC, Jerusalem changed hands seven times between those generals. Seven times. In 167 BC, Antiochus IV Epiphanes desecrates the temple with pig blood and a statue of Zeus. In 63 BC, the Roman general Pompey conquers Israel and takes control. And then in 37 BC, the Jews revolt against Rome and Herod the Great puts down the rebellion with great cruelty, rules Palestine, and controls Jerusalem. Now, for all of them, there was one big looming question. And the question was, where's God in all this? Where is God in all of this? I mean, here's his people. They're being conquered and reconquered multiple times. And all the while, they're praying and they're sacrificing and they're hoping and they're waiting and they're watching and they're expecting and they're, there's one God to come through and do something and nothing. Like, it's total silence from God. There's no prophets that hear, that hear from God. There's no priest that comes back and says, hey, God has told us that he hasn't forgotten us. There's none of that. Nothing. And I'm sure that as the people watched their land get conquered and reconquered, and after they saw yet another army marching through the streets of Jerusalem, I am quite sure that multiple times they were asking, where is God in all this? Why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he step in and fix this? Have you ever wondered that? Where is God in all of this? Why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he step in and fix this? Well, I think all of us have been there at some point, haven't we? We've all asked those sorts of questions. 
And let me ask you this. Well, let me just say this. And it's during that time when we're just, we're just waiting that God says to us the very same thing he was saying to them. It's during that time of waiting that God whispers, he says, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Because I'm telling you, if you were alive during that 400 years, if you were alive during that 400 years, and nobody had heard God literally in four centuries, nothing, what would you have to say to your kids to help them keep the faith? What would you have to hear in order for you to maintain your faith in God? What would it take for you to believe if you've never heard from God? And the priests, the people who are supposed to hear from God, like they've never heard from God either about anything. And if you watched your land, the promised land from God, be conquered and reconquered, and you know, every couple of decades, a new army marches through the streets, what would it take for you to stay faithful to God? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm honestly, I'm really glad I wasn't alive during that time because that would have been really hard. And the truth is, it makes me feel kind of stupid for like complaining to God that he hasn't done anything for me like in the last month. Right? And so God says to you and he says to me, he says, stay faithful. He says, stay faithful. And that's hard. But regardless, the first lesson is that we got to stay faithful to God. And, and look, and it's easy to give up. Like, it's easy to quit going to church. It's easy to quit praying. It's easy to quit believing. It's easy to quit serving, to quit giving, to quit on your commitments that you've made to God. It's so easy to quit on God when it seems like God is doing nothing, right? But, but just like the people of Israel kept their faith, we have to keep ours. We've got to keep trusting God. Because, listen, when the New Testament opens up, Old Testament closes 400 years, nothing. When the New Testament opens up, you know what we find? All of the people of Israel, they're still praying, they're still sacrificing, they're still believing, they're still hoping, they're still looking to God. They're still doing all of that. They're still being obedient. And so you and I, need, like, we need to make a commitment that when it seems like God's doing nothing, that we're not, we don't quit on God. We don't quit going to church. We don't quit praying. We don't quit seeking. We don't seek, quit sacrificing. We keep on doing all those things. We keep our commitments to him. We still follow. We still believe. We still obey. We still keep, still keep our commitments to God. And you want to know why? It goes back to the central truth because how I wait is second only to who I am waiting on. And here's what you need to understand, okay? Just like Christmas always comes, God always comes through in the end. I mean, look, just like Christmas, no matter how hard the wait is, it always comes, right? God always comes through in the end. And when God comes through, what will he see? Will he see that you remain faithful during that time of waiting? Will he see that you kept believing? 
I mean, look, even though it might be, you might have struggled, even though there might have been some, you really cried out to him, even though there's some difficult times, even there's some times you're like, I don't know, God. Will he find that you waited faithfully? Not that it's easy, but that you've waited faithfully. Because I'm telling you, how I wait is second only to who I am waiting on. Does that make sense? All right, there's a second big lesson in this story. Number two, it's this. I need to wait expecting God to move. Okay, now this is the first event of the entire New Testament. Okay, it's Zechariah the priest. He's married to Elizabeth, who's the cousin of Mary, the about to be mother of Jesus. So Zechariah, he goes into the temple on behalf of the nation of Israel, and he expects nothing to happen because nothing's happened in 400 years until today. Check it out. In Luke <coughs> chapter 1, beginning of verse 8, it says, the Bible says this, it says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom, <coughs> excuse me, according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Like, hello, no kidding, right? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I, I'm an old man, and, and my wife is well along in years. Really? I mean, come on, Zechariah. I mean, hello? An angel shows up, and your first question is, hey, are you lying to me? Really? I mean, come on. Like, if you're praying, and like literally an angel, bam, shows up right there, you're going to start off by calling him a liar? Like, that's, what, that, that's the lead off for you? No! I mean, that's crazy. So look, and here's what happens. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, here's Zechariah, 
Like, he's the guy, like, he's been chosen to go into the temple, burn some incense that day. I mean, like, no big deal. He, like, he's going to say a prayer, he's going to light some incense. And by the way, incense was, you know, merely a, a symbolic of the prayers of the people rising up to heaven to be God. So he's going to go in there, he's going to, you know, do, do some priestly duties. He's going to, you know, say a prayer for the nation, light some incense, like, no big deal, walk out. He wasn't expecting anything because nothing's ever happened. Like in 400 years, nothing's happened. But this day, something does. An angel shows up. And not just any angel, okay? This is Gabriel, one of the archangels, one of the ones that's like closest to God in heaven. And sure enough, everything that, that, that Gabriel says comes true. And you can read all about that in Luke chapter 1, okay? But here's what I want you to notice. Zechariah went into the temple that day expecting nothing. Now, I applaud him because, like, he was faithful. Because, look, after 400 years of silence, he's still praying, he's still believing, he's still following, he's still sacrificing, he's still giving, he's still doing all the things that he's supposed to do. So, like, he had that part nailed down. And I don't want to minimize that because that's no small thing. Like, that's a big deal. But... Zechariah wasn't expecting anything to happen. When he offers incense, again, which is symbolic of the prayers of the nation rising to God, he wasn't expecting God to actually answer any of those prayers. He was expecting nothing. But he should have been expecting God to answer, shouldn't he? He should have been. He should have been waiting on God and expecting God to move. And that, that's what you and I need to do. Like, when we're waiting on God... We need to wait on him, expecting him to move. And listen, when you wait on God, it's not like you should wait with him, you know, on him with your arms crossed, you know, tapping your foot, all impatient and indignant, like, okay, come on, God, you know, tick-tock, I need you to do something here. No, 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 no. We should wait on God like a little boy waits, for his, waits at the window for his dad to drive up from work because he just wants to be with his dad. See, that's how we should wait on our Heavenly Father at the window, watching, expecting Him to move any minute now. Do you wait on God like that? Is that how you wait on Him, expecting Him to move at any moment, expecting Him to come through any day now, expecting him to answer your prayer at any turn because like remember here's the central truth because how i wait is second only to who i am waiting on because i'm telling you look in the end christmas always comes and even though that christmas seems like really far away it, it comes every time right and in this very same way god always comes through in the end he always comes through. he'll always come through in your finances in your marriage in your parenting in your in your loneliness in your pain in your hurt in your shame in your regret in your whatever it is that you are waiting on God to move if you will wait expecting him to move I'm telling you you'll find he always comes through so look as you wait you got to expect him to move don't don't look 
Don't be the kind of person that's like this little dark cloud of despair. Like, oh God, you never answer my prayers. Oh, woe is me. I guess I'm just going to sit here in a dark corner and eat worms. I mean, come on. Don't wait like Zechariah waited. Don't be him. Be someone that waits expecting God to move at any minute. Because I'm telling you, you never know when he will. And get this. Uh, this is just a little bit of bonus stuff for you. Um, when it seems like God is doing nothing, all that really means is one of two things. It either means that you can't see what God is doing or you don't know what God is doing. But it doesn't mean he's doing nothing. He's doing something. Because even during this time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, when it seemed like God was silent and doing nothing, God wasn't doing nothing. God was setting the stage of the world for the arrival of his son. And so during that time of waiting for you, you might not see what God's doing, you might not know what God's doing, but he's doing something. He's setting the stage of your life for whatever he's going to do next. And so we just can't always see it. But that doesn't mean he's not doing anything. So look, we need to wait well. We need to stay faithful. We need to wait expecting him to move. Because look, you gotta remember, how I wait is second only to who I am waiting on. Look, and whether or not you wait well, or whether you wait poorly, likely won't change the outcome of what God's going to do. But it will change your enjoyment of what you see God do in the end. So wait well, because how I wait is second only to who I am waiting on. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just, I want to say thank you that you are, you are never just doing nothing, that you are always at work doing something. And just because we can't see it or just because we don't know what it is doesn't mean that you're not working and moving. And so I want to say thank you. And for the times in my life when it felt like you were doing nothing, thank you for what you were setting the stage to do. And for all of those listening to me today that are waiting on you, I ask that you would help them to stay faithful. Help them to wait expectantly, knowing that just like Christmas always comes, you always come through in the end. So help them to wait well. And for those that aren't waiting right now, that whenever that time of waiting comes, that you would help them to wait well love you. I ask you to do all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.